Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. Limits. Good morning and welcome to City Limits. We have a jam-packed show ahead of us today. Kevin is currently making tea, so he will be with us shortly. And our first guest today will be Helen Lorange. Have I pronounced your name right, Helen? That will do. That will do? Excellent. Yes. And here's Kevin. He's got the teapot here. What tea have you made today, Kevin? Chinese white today. Chinese white, yes, fantastic. And then we'll also be talking to a guest um, about the proposed, uh, well, proposed, it's now been granted, the high-rise at Pentridge Prison, the 19-storey tower that's been approved. And Kevin, who will will be talking to about that? We'll be talking to Mike Hamill-Green, who um, is one of the local campaigners around the issue. Uh, Right. Mike's probably well-known a lot of people because he's been active in... He was a draft resistor going way back, but... uh, Oh, really? Today he's talking about this, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. And we may possibly see Adrian Whitehead briefly as well at some stage. I'm going to make a little bit of noise as I take papers out of my bag. Can I just say a little bit more? Oh, hello, it's Lynn. Can I just say a little bit more about Helen? She's a... um, founding president of the Waverton Hub, which is a mutual organisation of residents of the various Sydney suburbs. And she's come here especially today to talk about this unique um, idea that she had and how that's going. Yeah, I look forward to it very much. And we've got Andy on the panel as well here. Hi, Andy. Yes, Andy, um, I want to make the point. Last week, Andy, in fact, um, stayed away sick. And I think um, you know, that is simply not an excuse, Andy. I'm sorry, but uh, irres- irresponsibility knows no You're not allowed to get sick. No, only, only we can as presenters. <laughs> are we feeling better anyway? Seriously. Yeah, that's better. Thank good, good. And how are you going today, Len? Good? Oh, yes. Hopefully the cough will stay off. Good, good. All right, everyone's uh, a happy. A little, little bit of poetry there. Yes, yes. yes. We're a poet and you yes. don't even know it. Yes. 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 Well, look, a couple of things this week I just thought worth... Well, perhaps we'll start with the Herald Sun as usual, just give it a, you know, this week burst. Um, look, last Friday, when everyone else was covering this story of alleged tax fraud by all these people, they actually talked about the tax fraud and the people involved, but not... Not the Herald Sun. Big front page, sex, lies, and cocaine. Oh, that's, sorry, that's the wrong one. Uh, but same thing. They had across the front page. It was um, sex, rat, and um, and and um, something about his sex life as well. And a, and a very décolleté photo, décolletage photo of his so-called mistress. Uh, and inside a double spread with seven more photos of her. <laughs> you know, she was the story, apparently. And, I mean, this one this week, Sex, Lies and Cocaine, and about this woman in uh, the Colombian jail, gangsters, they go on and again. You know, excuse to print just decolletage photos of the uh, 
of the woman. So the Herald Sun's mm. living up to its usual standard of wonder. Yeah. Yes, just great. Uh, yes. Look, but on a, on a, well, on a very serious note, um, we know that the local um, indigenous population has been fighting the uh, Dakota Access Pipeline over in America and uh, it was knocked off by Obama eventually after a long struggle and people were treated very badly on picket lines, etc., mm. by the local police. Uh, but then, of course, um, Trump has reinstated it and it's yes. back on the agenda. Um, they, they, one of the complaints was that it posed environmental threats to the area. Now, it hasn't even opened yet, but they're obviously testing it. And last week, 320 litres of crude oil leaked right. from the pipeline. It's not a good start, is it? And that's before it even opens. Before it even opens. Yes. Yeah. yes. So, um, and I think on that, um, on the environment one, that researcher who went out to Henderson Island, which is a you know, totally isolated thing, a uni of Tasmania um, researcher, uh, Henderson Island out in the middle of the of the ocean and found 18 tonnes of plastic. It's the most polluted place in the bloody world and um, 18 tonnes of plastic out there. Um, the other Another factor related to all this environmental stuff is that while we're told that uh, Adani should go ahead because coal can lift the Indian poor out of poverty... It was reported this week that solar prices in India are now lower than fossil prices. So, uh, again, um, where's the argument stand up? Can anyone explain it to me? <laughs> yes, it's going to be difficult. I'd have to join the Liberals in order to make an argument for that. I, right, I'm not okay. on the front bench of the Liberal Party, unfortunately, no, so I can't, that's right. can't think of anything to say. But to they do need us to, us to pay for the railway line, and they do need us to give them a royalty-free period so they don't have to it's, pay enough. It's worth it, because we definitely will lift them out Jobs, of jobs, jobs, yeah. that's the important oh, thing. Yes. Yeah. All, all 1,100 of them, whatever there are. Um, now, a number of the things, uh, there was a report leaked out of Britain last week too, from the Labour Party one. I mean, we know that the the right wing of the Labour Party in Britain is doing its best to undermine... Um, Jeremy. Jeremy. Mm. Uh, but it leaked this report of what his policies were. They were abolish uni fees, uh, free childcare, um, uh, yes, boost uh, infrastructure development, um, it's going to uh, look at capping rents, at um, all this sort of stuff, review cuts to school budgets, um, local energy stuff, raise the minimum wage, um, lo- and also re-nationalise um, water, sewerage, etc., rail um, and post. Um, dreadful policies. Shocking. These were leaked, and the media jumped on them to say, what a dreadful person, this man's unreal. You know. Uh, <laughs> now, which of those would we oppose? <laughs> Well, the Conservatives <laughs> accuse him of trying to take Britain back to the 70s, but the yeah. Conservatives want to take Britain back to feudal times, you know, with fox hunting and all I'm that kind of thing. I'm going to pour some tea, so, by the way. So, um, now, hang on. I hope that, yeah, thanks. We'll see what happens. So there we yes. are, pouring of the tea. Um, this cup, it's a big, it's wide. It must be to do with the fact that it's a broader top and it doesn't, uh, the noise isn't quite as loud for our listener, but never mind. It's, oh, dear. It's, yeah. Yeah. Especially so designed for you, Kevin. But I'm introducing Helen LaRange, as I mentioned earlier in the program. Uh, she's here from Sydney for a conference in Melbourne, actually. She very kindly came to um, talk to us. She's a previous head of the former Federal Office of the Status of Women. And um, a few years ago, in late 2012, she started a organisation, a mutual organisation of residents of the Sydney suburbs of Waverton, Wollstonecraft and other neighbourhoods 
neighbouring areas called the Waverton Hub. And it helps older Australians stay in their own homes for as long as possible. So I'd like to introduce Helen and ask her, how did it all begin? Thank you very much, Lynn, and thank you for having me on your show, Kevin. Well, it's not my show. Uh, it's our show. Oh, the show. Yeah, okay. Um, it started because uh, seven years ago I moved to Waverton, didn't know a lot of people, and after a, a couple of years knew about 20 people. My friend and colleague Marilyn Alt went over to the US on a study tour of housing and she came, we used to walk regularly on Monday morning. She came back and told me about this model as it, as it, as it operates in the US, uh, particularly at Beacon Hill in Boston where the first one was. And I said, I want one of those. Now, the reason I wanted one of those is I'm sort of slightly ahead of the baby boomers, but um, in age, that is. Um, but like the baby boomers, I want to age well in my own home as long as possible with supports, but with as much autonomy as I can manage. And so, and this model from the US has that benefit. Um, however, in the US, it costs 900 a year, and Australians are not up for that sort of money. So we started the Waverton Hub, which got rolling in 2013 for a cost of $66 a year or $10 a year if you are on a full pension. So there is no uh, office, there is no senior sits hall, and it's very different to a senior citizens organisation in that we do organise ourselves about 20 activities a week, like an 87-year-old organises the art classes, I organise the yoga classes, um, someone else organises the Tai Chi and Qigong. And so we do it, we have 80 of our 320 members are contributing members. And so that, of course, keeps the costs low, but we don't just do activities um, to for our physical well-being, mental and intellectual stimulation. We also have an Ask a Member First policy. So when I couldn't get a plumber to fix a, a tap that was going haywire, I phoned my neighbour Graham and said, have you got a set of Stilsons? He said, what is it? Came over and put the washer in and fixed the tap. Or, um, you know, for a minor procedure at hospital... Another friend, Vera, picked me up and stayed with me that evening because my family weren't available. So there's the Ask a Member First policy and look look out for each other. And we try to get everybody to have six buddies because anthropologically that's about... Seven is about the size of a, a group. Um, and we have actually, anthropologically, two tribes... Um, which are 100... So 300 is about two tribes. Um, and on top of that, we have... We let, enable people to access services at very really good rates and also access advice on how to navigate the aged care system. Though there's three levels of our work. So the, there's a local plumber and he says, I'll come out and fix your taps 
without a call-out fee. And he came recently to my place to clear some drains and he said, will $20 be all right? Um, we also have um, memoranda on understanding with the local uh uh, community centre, and our people go up and do Meals on Wheels, but, uh, for example, they they do the Meals on Wheels runs, but also they provide uh, a person who will answer questions about the aged care system, help you get your aged care system set up. So it really is a big effort to age well in our own homes for as long as possible, as cheaply as possible and meaningfully because we don't want to be passive recipients. We want to be active participants and you know um, it, it also has this benefit of overcoming social isolation so one woman who'd worked 14 hour days in the superannuation industry and retired and didn't know anyone now says oh it takes me, I have to leave 10 minutes to get to the station because um, I run into people and have to chat. So, and one other woman said, oh, my family have stopped nagging me to go into a retirement home now. There's the hub. So it's quite, you know, it's, it's wonderful. It's not recognised by the government in the aged care system, but it could. We'd like to see the spread of these, and that's how I met Lynn, um, because I've been awarded an AMP Tomorrow Makers Fund. And at the age of almost 75, I'm the oldest tomorrow maker in Australia. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. But uh, Lynn and I talked about how we spread the word. So I've written a manual, which is on our website, which we'll give you the details of later. And if you would like to start a hub, we have mentors, including myself, who will help you get going. But the manual's a good place to start. Now, that's a long blurb, Lind. Over to <laughs> um, just, yeah, I um, just wanted to have a little bit more detail about you wanted to expand the idea into New Zealand and across Australia. How are you actually going to do that? Well, we've already had two CEOs of big aged care uh, organisations from New Zealand come over especially to visit the hub and see what, see what we actually do. Um, I am, I'm booked to attend two very big aged care conferences um, back here in Melbourne in late August and then the uh, National AXA conference in Cairns in September. But also last week I went and met with Ferros Care which delivers packages up and down the coast and I'm also going to local communities who want to start. Uh, and I think having the manual, you know, people can adapt to that. So if you have a probus club, you're, you've got a starting point. You, could, you can expand that to become a hub. Or quite a few other existing organisations can expand. But I do emphasise it's more than a glee club. It's more than a senior sits club. Mm. It's got to have those extra uh, community engagement community development advice factors in it. Definitely. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's sometimes you really kind of have to take things into your own hands. You can't rely upon the top-down government to, to yeah. do everything. Or that trickle-up we were talking about. Or even that trickle-up, yeah. 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 So it, it's, yeah. Good, it's, it's good grassroots, um, yeah. grassroots sort of work. 
Do you, do you think that there, there is going to be a relationship building between local government and, and the hubs? Do you think that, that will be a developing relationship? The, our North Sydney Council has been very good. They give us $2,000 a year. That's good. But we fund ourselves through our fees. Yes. And we do cost recover our activities. But actually, it's a federal government responsibility. Yes. Not, I, I, don't, I think it's tough on local government. Yeah. And if Absolutely. you look at the UK, where aged care was dumped on the lo- on local governments, they are closing their libraries to fund aged mm. care. Mm. And so I don't think it ever should land on local government as sure. a major thing. I would like to see, once we have a, a few more, I'd like to lobby the federal government yes. to have, to <coughs> offer, say, 100,000 recurrent two groups who set these things up because if we could keep I mean we want to stay out of retirement villages of course but if we could keep more people in the community um, you know looking after themselves and having healthy ageing you know the effect on the bottom line for governments would be huge absolutely of course they, yeah. but they don't measure that no they, they, they don't measure it they no. like to talk about prevention they like to talk about there's a lot of rhetoric about how valuable old people are and, you know, we should use their skills. But you try to get a job after the age of 50, mm. you know, mm. it's just, it's, so it's rhetoric. On that, in terms of uh, benefit from money, given that uh, the benefits of keeping people in their home, etc., it's a related matter, I guess, in some ways. Uh, a uni, Melbourne Uni study recently showed that if you provided um, beds for the homeless, um, the the last resort bed would generate a net benefit to the person and society of ten thousand eight hundred a year, or one dollar invested, reaping two dollars seventy in benefits, such as lower health and crime costs. So, it's not dissimilar mm. that you know you put money in, but you get a, you get more back. Of course, of course, but they don't measure that. No, no, they don't, and that's that's a real problem. We've got to change mm. the way we measure things. It's like using GDP as a me- measurement of. Um, success in, in uh, society. <laughs> it's, mm. yeah, it's, yeah. Helen, do these, uh, when you say the, the local hub, do they, how local do they have to be to work properly or can they be sort of expanded mm. geographically? What's the- Look, we did some def- demographics when we got started and Waverton and Wollstonecraft, which are walkable suburbs pretty much, and there's, there's a train line as well. There are 11,000 people live in that area and 3,000 of them are over 50. So we said, looking, at, we had, of course, we had the US models to look at, but we said if we could get 300 members, we reckon that's 10% of the over 50 year olds, that'd be a good um, size. And I've been reading the recent um, evaluations and surveys in the US, and yes, that's a, depending on whether you've got medium density, or high density, um, around 10,000, 11,000 total population and then that per- that percentage of over... Well, we say over 50-year-olds. Mm. Our average age would be 70. Mm. Um, but, you know, uh, that's, that's how we do it. Um, when I was talking to Ferros Care last week, they said they might have a go up at Harvey Bay because that's got a very high um, proportion of older people and um, 
they feel that could work up there. But for some communities, like I was in um, a small town, Mullumbimby, um, it's, for there it's a case of joining the dots. People go to yoga, they go to this, they go to that, but they don't actually have that feeling of belonging, mm. which is what we, you know, mm. our, our logo is I belong. And that that is missed. So you don't get that huge benefit of, of um, people looking out for you. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting you mention about the importance of the walkability of these suburbs. And as mm. a as a town planner myself, I, I have great fears for a lot of the new suburbs that are being built on the fringes of our cities today that are not walkable. They're very car dependent. And it's going to be so much harder mm. for this kind of um, this kind of thing to develop in these suburbs. You know, I'm um, certainly as people grow older and they lose their mobility and they lose their driver's license, mm. you're going to get increased social isolation because they don't have that walkability. It's going to be harder to create these amazing kind of you know schemes such as the Waverton Hub. You know, so we have to think about that in our town planning as well. I think so. And uh, should I add, one of our memorandum of understandings is with the local community transport. Mm. So uh, one of our members, Gwenda, has had to give up her car. And I saw her the other day and the community transport was there picking her up. And uh, there's a small charge, but uh, it, it's sort of affordable. But, yes, I, I went up to Lismore last year and met with them and they wanted to do try to get something out to their villages, yes. which is, you know, that's one of those... Um, city councils with a lot of villages and they were talking a virtual village well i i don't think people want a virtual village they want face to face yes they want to yes. run into so but it, you're right it's it is um town planning has a big impact on quality of life it really does mm. it really does sounds like virtual unreality to me that's <laughs> yeah. yes if you don't mind my saying so. Um, there's also been reports recently that, and this is, again, related, I guess, um, lots of retirees, increasingly in- retirees are finding they have to find at least part-time work to keep their heads above water. Are you finding that with the people you're involved with? Is that something? That- well, they do say, look, I don't know how long I can afford to live. Mm. Um, mm. That, that, you know, they're eating into their capital. One woman got jury duty and she was so delighted because she paid a small fee yeah. for jury duty and yeah. it went for a few, a couple of months and she was so pleased to get that work. Um, we look also at um, house sharing, uh, which would also help ease the housing problem. But we went up to the um, Catholic University, which is just up the hill, mm. and approached them about their students and house sharing. They said, go away, go away. The insurance issues are so massive, they can't touch it. Really? Yeah. Jeez. But I do know some do use, uh, are on that home share um, website, so they earn a little bit of money that way. But more often than not, um, people think about downsizing, moving to live in Kyogle, where you can buy a house for 300000 Um, you know, know. Mm. Uh, so, um, but there's no part-time work around, although Bunnings Mm. are a fantastic hire of older people. Yes, Uh, and people with disabilities too. Yeah, but but there's very few Mm. want oldies around. Just a a little anecdote about the Catholic University, Edith Morgan, who was a great activist for older people, a photo of her upstairs here actually, 
um, and she helped found the Housing with the Aged Action Group and lots of other things, um, including sitting on railway lines during the maritime dispute. But uh, ironically, because she was a communist and an atheist, but the chair of aged care at the Catholic University is named after her, which That's I found fantastic. interesting. That's yeah. fantastic. It's yeah. lovely. Yeah. But it's very much, too, you touched on this needing money as you get, you know, needing to continue to work for as long as you want to. But that sort of, it's become a societal thing that there's yeah. a society view or an employer's view that once you reach the age of 50, you're only fit for volunteer work. I'm saying there's nothing wrong with volunteer work necessarily, but you want to get paid for your skills. And it doesn't seem to be any way through that. And I don't know whether you have any thoughts on that or not, but it's another, another issue entirely. Well, Susan Ryan when she was uh, aged commissioner at the Human Rights Commission, put a lot of emphasis on the discrimination against older people in the workplace and in getting work. It's terribly difficult because in some cultures, the older people are really honoured and respected. But this is a different society where, you know... If you haven't got the latest iPhone, your old mm, hat, mm. it's um, and and the value set that I grew up with is, you know, anti-consumerist, um, environmentalist, uh, mm, all mm, that. But we've need a know, complete shift of paradigm, don't we? Really, we, we, we do, really do. We do, and I mean, I think we we are finding in Waverton that the suburb has become more age friendly because we're there. And when we held our launch, all the young mums came with their kids because we had a magician and stuff. Mm. And they said, oh, when are you doing this again? And we said, well, you do it next. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and on that, by the way, it's worth mentioning, for all the other activities people do, and you mentioned about being to getting together and being a hub, um, do people... To now tend spontaneously also to just socialise together and have dinner together and go to That's, films and that, that sort of thing. That is what's magic. When one man from the 7.30 Walkers was in hospital, he, after he came out, we deliberately had our after-walk coffee at a cafe near his place so he could walk up, come up. And we hadn't known him before that. Some other women who do the Wednesday yoga class had never met before, now do a Friday walk together. And then someone else was sick in hospital from the games day, so they took the Scrabble board up to the hospital <laughs> and, and played with her up there. So um, the, the, uh, vivid, the vivid display is on in Sydney next week and someone's booked a ferry. It's going to cost us 20 bucks each to go out and look at Vivid from the harbour. So, um, yes, it's, it's, you know, for myself actually... Uh, you know, as I said, I'm I'm new to the suburb, although now I've been there seven years. Um, I went from knowing a handful of people to having a, a really, you know, good social network and support system. So it does, it's it has a, the multiplier effects are quite wonderful. That's fantastic. I love that. We're going to have to that. close this down because yeah. we've got to go to our next guest, but we could have gone on forever, I think. But <laughs> is there anything we haven't touched that you want to just Well, I just wanted to say um, very briefly, where do you go from here? I mean, you, yes. you've got this going and you're going to try and get government support, but how long, you know, where does that Sustainability go? is a really good question, Lynn, because in the US 
the the reports coming from their evaluations are that people are getting less willing to pay the nine hundred a year. For us, we've got to look to who's going to take on these roles. So it's a very good question. Uh, certainly, once we've got five or six hubs going in Australia, we'll be going back to the government to say, how about the hundred k a year recurrent to make this part of the aged care system. That'd be brilliant. Mm. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah, yeah really we'll, good we'll luck keep, with we'll that. We'll keep in touch with it, and um, as it develops, yeah. we'll keep. And all of yeah. the details yeah. of the website. Uh, do you yes, quickly, well, quickly can, say the website? I can just. Yeah. Um, the website is uh, www.wavertonhub or one word dot com dot au, and you can also email Helen at helen dot and that's all one word Larange. Uh, no apostrophe at bigpond.com. I repeat that. That's the www.wavertonhub.com.au. Helen.larange, L O R A N G E, at bigpond.com. And we'll put all those details with the podcast as well for those and people I, who download this program. And if people can come by here, I'll leave three hard copies of the manual. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, that's Thank great. You. Thank you. Aging well in your own neighbourhood, that's what it's called. Yeah. The hub. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Come, Helen, thanks in. so much. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can we take a break? I'll take a quick break, come back. Going to talk to Mike um, Mike Hamill Green about the Pentridge And we'll also be talking to Adrian Whitehead as well. Yes, he's made a recovery, he's back again. He's but, back. Uh, All right. <laughs> he's talking about climate change or something. He, sort of he will indeed. Okay. Okay, on the line, Mike Hamill Green and Mike we have got Adrian Whitehead just to let our listeners know back in the studio. Adrian, I thought we'd gone missing without missing. I have in, been very, action, very but, no, uh, no, 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 no. I've been anyway, very, very busy. And, yes, yeah. Mark's very busy. And you'll well. tell us why but, shortly. But as well. Mike's <laughs> going to talk to us about the um, the Pentridge Prison Redevelopment, uh, so called. Um, Mike, um, the, last week the minister approved in the 19-storey tower, etc., that people like you have been opposing for a fair while. Um, why are you opposed to it, and what's the background to how this happened? It was taken out of the council hand, was it not? Yes, this particular tower was taken out of the council hands. Um, the, um, for some reason, best known to himself, Minister Richard Wynne removed it from the, the council purview. So it's a 19-storey town, and it's uh, number 21 Pentridge Boulevard. Uh, it totally overshadows the... Uh, the watchtower in front of it, and it's only the first of four such towers. There's another one, but the same developer is applying just a, a few doors up, as it were. So that's at number 21. At number one, on the corner of uh, Edridge Boulevard and Champ Street, is another 18-storey hotel apartment complex. So the, the whole facade, the, the whole original historic facade of, of Pentridge is going to be totally transformed and, and overshadowed by these two towers. The, the um, I, you know, I'm part of a, a local group, the Pentridge Community Action Group of, of local residents who have been very concerned about these developments. And um, you know, we had the support of Kelvin Thompson, the MHR. We held a demonstration outside, but neither the minister nor Heritage Victoria have um, have um, been properly listening to us. It's not that we're against development, but development needs to, in a heritage area, as distinct from a, a normal kind of... Um, a, uh, a business area or, or an area like a, a vacant manufacturing site or something like that. Uh, heritage area has to take account of the you know, something that's iconic. I mean, Pentridge since the 1850s was the main uh, jail. Beautiful, uh, unusual bluestone you know, um, walls and uh, a whole history to it that um, 
is being, you know, sort of uh, basically ignored in, in this current development. So um, just 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 look a quick look at the history of this. So originally in the structure plan for the for the Pentridge prison site, they did allow for 19-storey developments in the original tr- structure yes, plan. Yes, and then yes. did Moorland Council then apply for that structure plan to be changed? And that was they rejected? Have, they have, uh, as a result of uh, resident concerns, they've applied and they're, they're currently undertaking a review of the master plan. The interesting thing with the master plan is that the master plan itself did not have to go through any heritage review. I mean, it's like a, a master plan of development anywhere, really. Yeah. It's, so where the heritage comes in is individual buildings, individual towers have to go through a heritage permit application. So that, when it comes to um, assessing the heritage impact, it looks that, you know, the, the Heritage Victoria and... and, and um, developer just looking at the immediate surrounds of the building and what it's yep. actually doing, whereas the, what's, what's happening with the master plan is that the, the total of all these developments is completely transforming the whole atmosphere, appearance, of course, views of, course, of, of, yeah. um, of the Pentridge Trail. I just this morning was walking around um, Cabeg Lake, which itself was created by prisoners to you know, excavate the bluestone for the Pentridge, mm. and you look at the lake and there is the, these eight-story apartment buildings already built just totally dominating the view of the lake. Yeah, not, absolutely. You know, not only in the horizon, but in the water of the lake. I mean, so, yeah, these, these are things that are basically destroying some of the, the, the most important, both beautiful areas like the park, Coburg Lake Park, but also yeah. the whole appearance of a of a historic icon. Mike, there's, there's a, there was an ad, I don't know if it's still there or not, on Coburg Station by the developers of this, um, yes. this site. Um, and they called it an icon uh, and had phrases like established 1851, reborn 2016. Yes, uh, and, yes. uh, and their great marketing line, escape to Pentridge. Uh, yes, that's yes. almost an insult to all the people who've spent time in there, isn't it? Including yes, you. You spent yes. time in there, didn't you yourself? Yes, yes. As a draft assistant. I assister. was imprisoned as a draft assistant. Yes, yes. Uh, there's you know, whole, whole stories of you know, political prisoners that have been ignored by any, so far by the developers' interpretation programs. They've featured rather ghost tours and things like that, celebrity criminals like Chopper Reed. But the, the social history of, of, of Pentridge, the political history of Pentridge has been totally ignored. We just had a conference uh, about... Um, the 1916-17 conscription debate. So you had prominent people like Adela Pankhurst, the later Prime Minister John Curtin, put into Pentridge. No one would even know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was supposed to be a museum established. This was part of the... You know, when, when the Labor government initially approved this current round of development, they they uh, said there had to be... I think it was, um, the planning minister was Justin Madden. He said that, that there will be a museum. There will be a museum to... To um, uh, you know, explain some of the history and, and the uh, what went on in Pentridge, that kind of thing. So uh, that was built into a covenant, a legally binding covenant with the developer at the time. There were some a little moves towards that, but we're now something like ten or eleven years later. Nothing has happened about a museum. There's no uh, effort to to do anything properly to commemorate, to understand what happened there. It's made not just political prisoners. Gays were in prison there. Yeah, up until the 19, um, late 70s, 1980s. Um, indigenous people have been in prison there. There's a very famous painting, a mural by Ronald Bull in uh, F Division. It's being allowed to, to disintegrate. It's, you know, it's just, it was supposed to be under the covenant, protected, um, inspected. Uh, I've been trying through freedom of information to get the inspection of courts. I've been so far unsuccessful. Uh, I've taken, I've seen it myself. I've taken photos. I can, yeah, this this is a huge mural which um, 
uh, art, art experts say is one of the most important indigenous um, works of art from the um, indigenous people living in the urban areas, I think from the outback areas. So just going back to the idea, of if, if the council have um, applied for review of the structure plan, if, yes. that's in, if that's under review, how is it that they can approve a 19-storey tower while the structure plan is under review? Do you... Well, the, 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 the plan stays in place until such time as any change, changes are made to the, uh, to the uh, master plan. And um, the council hasn't even, I don't think, properly approved the money to conduct the review so a lot of these these changes a lot of these 90 story towers may well get approval prior to any review of the of the uh, master plan so, yeah. so the fact, so the, the the fact that a review is in place doesn't doesn't mean that everything has to be on hold until that review no is done. no in fact right. the, the developer the same developer who's putting up the 90 story tower has, has also got uh, right at this minute has got the proposal for the um 18 story hotel apartment complex, which is probably the, the worst of all the high-rise towers. There's four planned for the whole site, in addition to a number of 88-storey buildings. But this, this um, second one, the, the hotel apartment complex, that uh, proposal uh, is in front of the council right now. <clears throat> and uh, we're still waiting to hear what Heritage Victoria will say about that. The Heritage Victoria did approve the, the one that Richard Wynne's just approved. That's the one at number 21, Pentridge Boulevard, that the the, the next one, which is probably the worst of all, it's at the highest point of Petrich, which will be seen for kilometres around. It will totally dominate that uh, that appearance of, of, of um, Pentridge, you know, the, the, the most familiar appearance of Pentridge along Champ Street. Mm. And, of course, well, of course, as with councils um, developing their uh, schemes, um, it's... Um, you know, they've been developers scrambling over themselves to get developments in before uh, before they take effect, of course, and that's what's happening here in many cases. But um, the the site originally, I mean, was public property. Yes, uh, yes, it, yes. Now, we would argue it's close to public transport. It's close to all yes, sorts of facilities. Yes. It's an ideal spot for public public housing. Yes, um, yes, uh, it, how, how come, well, how much public housing is there? I presume there must be lots there's, of it. There's, there's very little house, social housing. There's even very little housing for for, um, for families of you know three bedroom you know the minister did say in approving the latest uh, uh, the, the nine story tower that's just been approved that there's been an improvement it's been an extremely minor improvement the bulk of the the uh, the apartments in in this nine story town the ones to come are these you know shoebox style one and two bedroom apartments um, and uh, the Certainly there's a case for, for using public land for social housing, but this is not what's happening at Pentridge. It's, it's uh, the, the get-rich-quick uh, developer mm. you know, putting up uh, what um, our local or our previous local MP, Kelvin Thompson, called uh, high-rise slums of the future. Yeah, it's happening uh, all over Melbourne, unfortunately, Mike, where public yes. property is turning into private uh, developments, but no yes, public housing. Yes, I mean, it's yes, all yes. over the place, yeah. Yes. I, I was uh, on a visit to Germany last year, and I was amazed. They they have the same yeah, population pressures as we do, but they they have confined themselves to lower level, up to you know five six stories intensive development. You don't see these huge towers. So that, you know, well, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't need to have high rise in order to have higher densities. That you can actually um, you can have, yeah. you can have higher density development and and stay below five stories. It's uh, it's not necessary. 
Um, absolutely, absolutely. But that, of course, a lot of critics will say to you, you know, we need to be going up, we need to be going up. Melbourne's population is growing by 100,000 yes. a year. We need yes. to stop urban yes. sprawl and the only solution is to go yes. up. But of course, yes. if you go up and you don't include public housing, all it really does is just push people on lower incomes further out to the outer suburbs anyway yes. because there's yes. this form of yes. gentrification that, that happens. Yes. So it's yes. oversimplified dichotomy to say that it's high-rise versus urban sprawl it's a it's a lot more complex than that yes know. yes um, i mean i've seen some I'm, I'm not against high-rise in particular locations in elizabeth street there's a wonderful social housing high-rise project yeah it's fantastic and, and you've got a roof, rooftop garden it's it's just absolutely brilliant that's it's right where you yeah. locate them, exactly you know, we don't so. want we don't yeah. want all of melbourne to be yeah. open slather for high-rise but they need certain areas yes. that are, yes. are, are not and and they say oh it's close to public transport but actually destinations are important close to public transport as well as our origin so we need yes. reasons yes. for people to visit places to go on public yes. transport for heritage and tourism and yes. culture yes. not just places to live yes. yeah so mm. exactly well that the I mean, it's just ludicrous because all the emphasis of the the minister and uh, the developer has been, you know, how how you know this is going to create some jobs. I think they're quoting something like a thousand jobs, but these are just temporary jobs in construction. There's just exactly. a few cafes, and there's going to be a cinema and, and, a, and a number of other things. But uh, tourism could have been a big thing. You know, it, it's like imagining Port Arthur if you just built you know, right. timeshare apartment blocks That's there. Right. I mean. It, Port Arthur is a major income generator, a major job generator. Exactly. And, and that sort of opportunity, you know, is rapidly being lost at Pentridge. Yeah, it's yeah. short-termism. It's short-termism. Yeah, absolutely short-termism, yeah. yep. yep. Mike, um, last year there was an issue, you, in fact, I quoted on this program, you, had a, you wrote a, what I considered a brilliant letter of, of speaking as a tree outside Pentridge, which was yes. doomed uh, by the developer. Yes. Yes. Uh, what's happened to that? That is a small victory. The letter did have some impact. And we had demonstrations at the tree with you know, local residents, including a 90-year-old in, who lives in the street. And, and, and um, families you know, came to, to help protect that tree. And we have been, as far as I understand, completely successful. They're now going to move the, the road around the tree instead of cutting the tree down. <laughs> so it, it showed us you know, that community um, uh, action can... Uh, uh, achieve some results. Admittedly, they've been very small so far, but I think we've we've created a great awareness of what is being lost by mm. the current round of development of Pentridge. And, and as I say, we're not against development as such. We're against the, the inappropriate forms, the high rise, the, the failure to, to treat seriously. The oh, oh, lost him. We'll let Mike go there because I think we got the story. Um, okay, just for uh, the Adrian, audience, we Adrian's, didn't hang up on him. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but Adrian's come into uh, topic. What do you want to talk about, Adrian? Oh, look. Well, um, it, it, we've been. Do- I've been very busy doing very a uh, bit of campaigning, and the campaign I've been doing is um, getting working on Darabin Council to declare a climate emergency, which they actually did at their very first council meeting last year. And the challenge now has been to take that declaration into some form of action because a hollow declaration around, you know, the climate emergency, what we're all facing, we had a terrible year last year, um, hottest year on record again, and uh, massive thousand kilometres of mangroves dying off, uh, the Great Barrier Reef's going to die, etc. You know, the Southern Cold Forests are dying, etc. Ice shelters, Elshife is starting to crack, yeah. It's it's literally the nightmare unfolding. But at least least the government building a railway line for a coal company and the government giving them a royalty-free zone is helping the Barrier Reef no end. (laughs) It certainly (laughs) is. And um, I I I was, uh, yeah, the, the... the generation of today will look back at the politicians 
in power now and what they'll they'll compare the science and the evidence that's been around for at least hard science a decade now that we're in a climate emergency and we had to act and the politicians will be answering difficult questions like why didn't you do anything and um yeah i imagine they'll be in trouble but the exciting news is darabin has declared the climate emergency they're looking at releasing their draft climate emergency plan soon and we're running a whole series of events across darabin to support that and we've got two events next week um, one in Fairfield at the Uniting Church on Monday at 6.30 and one in Elphington at the Bowling Club um, on Thursday, the 1st of June at 6.30. Again, we've got a range of speakers talking about the the issue from the perspective of why local government's important in climate change because you might think, well, local government, they can't do much, but in fact, local government will be on the forefront of dealing with um, resilience, you know, human impact, um, they can do lots and lots of stuff around people's housing, that sort of thing. They just don't have the money to do it. So, um, And um, so we've got people talking about what local government can do, what people can do in their own lives, everything from um, upgrading their home, doing energy efficiency to not eating beef, lamb and dairy. You know, the, one of the probably easiest things you can do around global warming is just get rid of all that out of your diet straight away. It's probably the biggest impact mm. you can do, um, immediate impact. And... Um, and it's a community event, so it's very exciting. Lots of speakers from different organisations. I think I'm one of the speakers. You I are know. one of the speakers. I'm you one are. Of the speakers. I will be and, there. And I've got and I've got the safe uh, the actions for safe climate booklet, which we'll be distributing to to put all that into context. And and Mark kindly edited that for me, so that was very nice. Fixed it's up all pleasure. my. I'm dyslexic, so you know, I can speak all right, but well, I can't write. Going very just well. to, on the <laughs> same page as the uh, story about the minister giving approval to the uh, Pentridge development yeah. we just talked about. There's a small piece on the local rag. Moreland is one of four councils to trial a new tool to help choose, help choose greener suppliers. It will share 32.5 grand with Melbourne, Port Phillip and Yarra to test the Dutch-developed CO2 performance ladder to rank suppliers based on their CO2 emissions. So there's something else that local governments doing yeah, they and do, can and, do. Yeah. And that's in the yeah. Darabin plan. We've been looking at the draft of it and it's absolutely it's been really good and they've been responding to our input. And what we're hoping to do is get Darabin up as the model that we can then spread around Australia. Yep. So as soon as um, the community consultation period finishes and they lock in their climate emergency plan, we'll um, a couple of us will you know jump in whatever car we can get hold of and um, zoom around Australia to various councils and climate action. Electric groups. car, obviously. Well, yeah, I can jump in my electric car, but unfortunately, I make <laughs> it just go. out that's of the city. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, if I was in actually in a country that supported electric cars, yeah. I could yes. hop from charger to charger to charger. But yes. we don't actually believe in that in Australia. Yeah, mm, we've no. just got two token ones I can use. So, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> we've so, a little way to go, folks. So um, with with our climate emergency, so we've got a lot of work to do. So you're not going to be bored, are you? No, uh, and look, and there's heaps of work so we're trying to run another we've got two coming up and another 14 events over in Darabin uh, until November so if anyone feels like getting fit you're a jogger you like walking that we we can provide you with leaflets and a mission. So, yeah, this is so this is a very serious issue, and, and we have to face it. And yeah. a big thanks to Fairfield United Church and the Elphinstone Bowls Club because, unlike almost every other venue, they are community orientated and gave us those two venues for free because Good. we're an actual <clears throat> not for profit. Well, we don't have any money. <laughs> it's community groups, so yeah. well, that, it's community which, campaign. Which, yeah. which either proves you're not for profit or you're bad business people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll get there. No, well done. Thank you so much. Thank for you. Well, for give those, time. give those. Yeah.
places and times again because we only go them once. Well, so it's yeah. um, next week. It's Monday night in Fairfield at the Uniting Church, just in there behind the shops next to the car park, if you know Fairfield, at 6.30 on Monday night. And Alfington Bowls Club on Thursday, again at 6.30. Great range of speakers. And as a, as a first, global first, we're announcing our website going live. So it's www.caseonline, C-A-C-E, online.org. So that's um, it's still we haven't finished it yet, or I haven't finished it yet, but it's got enough of the information um, to have a look at, or you can look up Community Action for the Climate Emergency on Facebook, and you'll find us. Brilliant, excellent. Okay, we're going to have to get out of here shortly. Although Joe's not coming in today, so um, we've got a little bit of extra time in some senses. But um, just want to mention because I'm sure someone out there will be saying you didn't talk about it. Um, I was contacted by a member of the former committee of the Housing with Aged Action Group who claims our programs have been pretty one-sided. Although oh, I did, really? I did point out to him that. Um, the, the the thing he told me I should have read first was not made available, was something that people were trying to get hold of that hadn't been made available, so it's pretty hard to comment on it when you can't get it. But yes. I'll, I'll come back to more of that next week because there's been some pretty heavy accusations thrown around and... Uh, and I don't think we, I think, well, we certainly only had one side to talk to because the other side didn't talk to us. But um, in that case, I don't think we're necessarily biased. I think we're just getting the case as presented to us. But yeah. we'll, yeah. we'll come back to it next week because um, but, cause I, I believe he has sent a lot of stuff here, but I haven't seen it yet. But um, Okay, yeah. so watch this space. And watch we'll, this space. We'll look into yeah. it, yeah. 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 Absolutely. All right, so that's that. Adrian, thanks for popping in with that. Great to be back, and I was yeah. enjoying listening to you on Saturday morning. Yeah. Mm. Oh, good, good, good. Excellent. Um, and uh, Mark, uh, well, Mark, you um, thank Andy and uh, thank Lynn for doing a wonderful job. I and will. Thank you so much, yeah. Andy, for being the paneler again and coming in and yeah, doing right. such great work. Yeah. Thanks, Lynn, and for organising today's guest, uh, Helen. It was wonderful yeah. to talk about that. We've had a, a varied and diverse show and today. And just tell we? Andy not to ever get sick again, will you? No, that's... <laughs> Well, we've already told Andy that he's not allowed to get sick. Right, okay. No, that's not, uh, we do you don't... feel better? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot to ask that. You're all right, no, by no, the we, way. We, we, we did ask that up front earlier. Yeah, I can't remember that, but anyway. But, uh, but uh, uh, next week, you, you, you're teeing something up, are you? Not? I am. So next week we'll be talking um, more about the urban sprawl issue and some of the problems around that and the impacts on the food belt. Um, I'm still teeing up a potential guest, but we'll have at least one guest on next week to talk about that of uh, someone preferably an academic from a university uh, to talk about the the issues and the pressures around um, urban sprawl in Melbourne and how it's accelerating and uh, consequences of that. Mm. That's That's it it. for us today so we'll see you next week. Yeah bye everybody. All the best.